this is my voice for today. <laughs> and if I felt as bad as it sounds, I wouldn't be here, but I feel good. So Doug is going to help me preach this morning. You ever seen tag team preaching? You might see it today. <laughs> so would you stand? He's going to read from John 15. John 15, if you want to turn there. Now we're ready. Yeah. The red tested. Is it on? Now. It was just the red button needed mashing, and that's for the blood. Amen. Okay, scripture verse today, found in John chapter 15, beginning at verse 12. If you want to read along, get your word out. The words of Jesus. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command love each other. Amen. You may be seated. And God bless his word today. Well, there you have it <clears throat> the most beautiful description of how love looks at from Jesus' eyes. We're going to take a little bit longer look at this passage in just a moment, but it has a lot to say about our relationship with each other, love one another, and our relationship with the Lord. But this is a perfect passage for Memorial Day, right? Amen. Now, the Memorial Day weekend today just gives people a chance to have a long weekend. But it's supposed to be a time of remembrance, to know how costly war is, how costly conflict is, how precious peace is to what it requires of us. Preserve our nation, protect the citizens of our country, our borders, and to guard our future generations. Before I get too deep into the message, I want to just bring some things that I think really lines up with Memorial Day. No, I don't think John 15, John had in mind the American holiday Memorial Day. But I think you'll be surprised how close these two things are connected. The most prestigious medal that a soldier or sailor or Marine Corps or Coast Guard could receive is what? The Congressional Medal of Honor. I want to show you some statistics on this Congressional Medal of Honor. To this day, this is the total of how many he's been awarded. Now, when I researched this, I was a little bit surprised by one thing especially. But 3,497 have been awarded. The medal was created in 1863 during the Civil War. And as you can see, look how many was awarded to the Civil War uh, 
combatants. If you can do a little math in your mind, that's almost what? Almost half. 44% to be exact. 18% of the recipients have received this award posthumously. It doesn't mean that they were killed in action, but it does mean that when they received the award, they were not alive to receive it. So somebody in the family received it. But when you look at World War II forward, 60%. And what does that say to you? Most of the people who received the award in the Civil War was not killed in action. So you see the percentage jumps after World War II. And then, then you have the percentage 58% of those who received the award during World War II did so posthumously. 70, what is it, 73%? Almost 74%, almost three quarters of people who fought in the Korean War. In fact, do we have any people here that fought in the Korean War or were enlisted at the time? Okay. My dad missed that war, thankfully, because maybe I wouldn't be here if he didn't miss that war. But you see the Vietnam War and you see the, the wars in Afghanistan. It just says this. This award is usually given to someone who was either killed, wounded, died from their wounds, or put their life in jeopardy. <clears throat> now let me just take you to World War I. How many know that that was not the title of that war when it was fought? What was it called? The Great War. It was not renamed until after World War II because they went back and renamed World War, the Great War as World War I. But World War I, the Great War, was said this. It is going to be the war that ends all wars. Do you realize that was said in 19... 18, this war, when it's over, when the armistice is signed, it's not, there's not going to be any more wars. Were they wrong? Let me just give you some statistics about World War I. <clears throat> and then we're going to get to John 15. Russia, Great Britain, and France. Also in World War I was United States and Italy. They were on one side. Germany, Austria, and Turkey was on the other side. Turkey was ruled by the Ottoman Empire, and the Ottoman Empire was enormous. It stretched all through the Middle East. They controlled a huge area by the Ottomans. The Turks were defeated in World War I, and the British came in and, and occupied a lot of that land. But if you just take Russia, Great Britain, and France, four million of their soldiers were killed in action. Those three countries, not, not casualties, killed in action. If you took Germany, Austria, and Turkey, three million of their combatants were killed. Seven million men just between those countries. If you would take all of the casualties, those killed, wounded, missing in action, prisoner, on the Allied side, there was 22 million casualties. 22 million casualties between Russia, the UK, France, USA, Italy. In Germany, Austria, and Turkey, there were 15 million. There was 37 million casualties. 
in World War I. The highest awards given were for people who fought in that war. And listen, May, May the 29th, 2016, it was 100 years ago this war was being fought right now. 100 years ago. So Jesus talks about this in John 15 when he says this. First of all, he says this. Love one another. Did the command stop there? No. He commanded these disciples. There's something very interesting going on at the Last Supper here. He commanded them to love each other as he loved them. And then the next thing he said is in verse 14, I believe it is. Or verse 13. Greater love has no one than this to lay down his life One's life for one's friends. There's no greater love. In fact, what we're looking at today is the greatest love that's possible. If there's no greater love than this, this is saying this is the greatest love. You might can say the Congressional Medal of Honor personifies John 15, 13. Because it's a lack of bravery, self-giving, sacrifice, giving up the most precious thing we have. What constitutes a friend, though? I asked some people that question this morning. What makes for a friend? We all have friends, right? Do you have that kind of friend? Some are closer than others, aren't they? Automatically, we start categorying. Well, they're a friend. I don't know if they'll take one for me. They're a good friend, but... Who's going to step in front of a, of a, a brunt force for me? Who's going to have my back? And this is why Jesus was kind of thinning the crowd there. He says, you, and all, you all have a relationship. But the strongest relationship that's in this room will be the willingness to lay your life down for the person that you call a friend. No greater love than that. If we look closely at our relationships, we realize that some friendship is not as strong as we think it is. And there's a lot of people who have friends that's only one way. You're supposed to call them and check on them. But they, they don't feel any compelling to call and check on you. Now that's not friendship, is it? You think about this, Jesus was living this out that night when he was telling them that the, the cup of wine was his blood and the bread was his body and he was telling them that he's going to lay down his life. But before that night was over, one of the men sitting around that table walked up to him and gave him the strongest symbol of friendship and love that was in that culture. And that is Judas walked up and kissed him on the cheek. And I remember when we took a team of people to Argentina outside of Buenos Aires to work on a church building. And Ron Pitts was the missionary. <clears throat> I know Ron very well. And he told these teenagers, which my son was a teenager, he says, now I want to tell you about the culture here. This is European culture. This is like little Paris. And when, they, when men greet each other, they kiss each other on the cheek. 
And I'm looking at my son because he doesn't even like to be hugged. And I'm looking at him. I said, whoa. He says, if you resist that, it's like somebody, you reach out to shake their hand and they won't shake your hand. He says, so why don't you just take one for the team? <laughs> I thought this, if, if Jason allows a guy to kiss him on the cheek, well, I'm not going to take a picture of it. But, but this is what Jesus walked up to Jesus. He, and what, you remember what Jesus said to him? He actually asked him a question, didn't he? And the question, let me just paraphrase a little bit. Like this, Judas? This is how you sell me out? With a kiss? A kiss, Judas? This is supposed to be reserved for closest friends, Judas. And he was in that room when Jesus said, You're my friends. You're my friends, no greater. And isn't it odd that Judas would do the very thing that friends do to sell Jesus out? Now, let's look at another one of the apostles that was in that same scene. Peter. Now, Peter had a burst, a moment. Let me put it that way. Peter had a John 15, 13 moment. He did. Brenda is coaching me on my voice and says, you know, don't try to get too excited because you will lose your voice. So I'm trying to manage it. But Peter had this moment, this surge of this love for Jesus. Think about it. It said a detachment of soldiers with lanterns, torches, and armory. They were armed to the max. Besides people from the chief uh, priest's office, people from Pharisees, and there were soldiers. And Peter, not given to martial arts, pulled out a knife and began to swing it around and cut off a guy's ears. Now think about it. We know what happened to Peter later, later on, but think about this. There was maybe up to 100 men in that detachment. The spira that is used if it was a Roman detachment, these were not Roman soldiers. These were soldiers of the temple. These were temple guards, but they were armed. It could mean up to 200 soldiers if it was a Roman detachment. But think, think about it. Put yourself in their place. If you were being asked to go arrest Jesus, wouldn't you want to have like 100 people? And this is the, this is the setting that Peter jumps up, throws himself right in the middle of things, Cuts this guy's ear off, proving to Jesus that he was willing to die for him. At that moment, he was willing to die. And Jesus stopped him and stopped the bloodshed because there was enough men there to wipe out all of the apostles. And Jesus stopped it. No greater love. In fact, Peter could have been recommended for the Congressional Medal of Honor. Because he put his life in jeopardy, didn't he? Remember, Christ loved us, but not on the spur of the moment. Peter, on the spur of the moment, threw himself into crazy odds. He didn't even think about the odds. He started fighting these guys on the spur of the moment. 
Jesus loved us not out of the spur of the moment. This was planned, calculated, even before the foundation of this planet that he would give his life. Now look in verse 15. I told, uh, I told Doug, he's got a copy of my notes. If I run out of gas, he can take up from there. Or preach it like he wants to be preached, which is going to be good. I no longer call you servants. It's the word doulos, slaves, or servant. I no longer. Jesus is telling them, we're transitioning here, guys. We're changing the level of commitment here. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, instead I've called you friends for everything I've learned of my father I have made known to you. And if I could do a brother Larry, wow, I would do it. I was close, wasn't I? Oh, Lord, don't let me lose my voice over that. Just read 15. Just look down and read it. I'll give you a chance to read it. Does the magnitude of what he said hit your mind and your brain at all? He says, you're no longer servants because servants don't know anything about their master's business. But I call you friends. And the last part of that statement is incredible. For everything I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. Everything that I've learned from my father, I'm not holding Was it you that said secrets know no friends? He says, there's there's no secrets here, guys. You're in here. You're in level place with me. What I've heard from the Father, I'm going to give to you, and I'm giving it to you. I call you friends. He's giving them a layout of the next 18 hours. And if you'll follow this, just do it on your own time research. The appearances of Jesus when he came back resurrected. Listen how he talked to him. It's an interesting study. One time he's standing on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and he yells out to these guys who have been fishing all night. What did he say? Children, do you have any meat? And guess what he has? Breakfast waiting for him. He's already cooked up breakfast for him. How he got the fish, well, he could have used different means, couldn't he? But he had set a fire, and that fish roasting over that fire. But every time he talked to him, it seems as though he was a little bit friendlier to him. Think about it. Thomas. Remember when Thomas made his declaration? Unless I put my hands where his spear hit his side or in his hands where his nails were. No, I'm not believing this. And when Jesus got there, he really didn't rebuke Thomas. He just said, okay, Thomas. 
here's my hands, here's my side. And Thomas fell down on his, on his face before the Lord. And what did he say? My Lord and my God, and he could have added this, and my friend. Because he's friends. Wouldn't you like to know Jesus as a friend? We have one of the great hymns. What a friend we have in Jesus. But it should be more than a hymn. It should be a, a relationship. Everything I've learned from my Father I have made known to you. He said this to show them how they're to interact with one another and to interact with him. You see this abbreviation, BF. And then there's one more level above that, BFF. In fact, they wear it out. I could, I could go off on a tangent here. I'm not going to do that. But what constitutes a person that you feel like is their, your best friend? Closeness? Trust? No secrets? Confiding? Mutual interests? Just enjoy each other's company, right? All of the above was present in Jesus' relationship with those men. There was nothing withheld. I preached a Wednesday night a couple weeks ago on the marks of maturation. And anybody who's mature can receive correction. Just let somebody correct you and see how that goes over. But you can take correction from those that you know have your best interest in mind. There is a difference, isn't there? Friends can correct each other. We used to listen about Kelly and Candace on the phone when they were teenagers. And we would get on to Kelly when she got off the phone and says, Who was that? She says, That was Candace. I said, Don't you talk to her like that? He says, well, Daddy, we talked that way to each other. I said, well, I don't like that. She said, we're best friends. I said, well, that, that's great, but I still don't like the way you talk to her. But best friends can be that way. You can just lay it all on the line. Look at verse 16. We're getting there. Just hang in there with me. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Oh, that's sweet. Listen to it. You didn't, you didn't initiate this. I didn't initiate this. He said, you didn't come to me. I recruited you. I showed up when you were cleaning nets. And said, give up fishing and come with me and I'll show you how to catch men. Every one of those disciples, Jesus recruited. He said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And he takes it a step further. I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give it to you. In other words, he said, I chose you and I chose you with the intent that you will not 
fail. What you will do will last. You will, he didn't say you may bear fruit. He says, you will bear fruit and that fruit will be lasting fruit. That's friendship. Remember what Jesus said, the detachment of the soldiers when they came and the fight broke out? He said, let them go. It's me you want. He was letting those disciples know he had their back. And that's what friendship is. Let me tell you about the most, before you put the slide up there, let me ask a question here. Anyone under 50 can tell me who is the most decorated soldier ever in U.S. military history. Under 50. Anybody can tell me. If you're under 50. If you're over 50, just stay real quiet. Anybody under 50 can tell me who the most decorated soldier. How many in this room feel like you know who it is? See, it's all those older people. Somebody tell me. Audie Murphy. Here's Audie Murphy. And that shows you he's the most decorated soldier. Audie Murphy was the most decorated soldier ever in U.S. history. And right next to that is the picture of the Army version of the Congressional Medal of Honor. It's on his neck now. You just can't see. It's a black and white picture. In fact, yesterday was 45 years ago that Audie Murphy died in a plane crash in Virginia. He was 45 years old. He would have been 90 come June. His family declares that he was not born in 25. He was born in 24, and he lied so he could get into the military. That's what his family says. Let me just briefly tell you what happened that got him the Medal of Honor. He had two bouts with malaria. He was wounded in a number of fights. But this was in January of 1945 in a little town called Holtzweer, which is up in northeastern France, right on the German border. He was in B Company from the 3rd Infantry Division. That company had 235 men in it at its peak. It had been reduced to 18. That's how many people in that company had been killed or taken off the battlefield. The commanders had been, the highest ranking men had been killed. He was the highest ranking man. He was not even 20 years of age or maybe not yet 21 years of age. But he was considered a 19-year-old when his group saw an advancing German, a significant German advance with six tanks, an untold number of soldiers, 18 of them. The German had a direct hit on an M10 tank destroyer, U.S. tank destroyer. And the crew got out, and there was woods there, and he ordered all of the 17 men including the occupants of that tank, to hide in the woods. He took his M1 rifle, started firing at the German positions, including six tanks, and climbed aboard 
that disabled tank manned the 50 caliber machine gun and held off that German attack by himself. He slid off the tank with a wound, a leg wound only because he ran out of bullets. He ran out of ammunition. And when I asked later why he did such a thing, why he took his life into his own hands, he said, because they were killing my friends. He said, that's all. They were killing my friends. And I was there to be a friend. One of the privates that saw it from the woods said, he was standing on top of a time bomb. He was standing on the chassis, chassis, exposed to enemy fire from his ankles to his head, silhouetted against the trees and snows behind him. No greater love than this. And a man lay down his life for his friends. But Christ is a true friend because he laid, his, laid down his life for us. Here's the thing. Jesus wants to share his life, his knowledge, his heart with you as a friend. He says, if you will abide by this commandment, you will have audience with God just like I do. And whatever you ask in my name to the Father, he will give it to you. And we, like to add, we just like to quote that last part. But he says, if you love like this and you follow this commandment, you will have the same communication that I have with my Heavenly Father. I want that. I want that kind of intimacy. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it, Pastor Larry? That's a, that's a better deal than what we heard before. Remember, this is the deal that you and I didn't arrange. This was a deal arranged in heaven. That Jesus secured by his death and his resurrection. And he calls you and me this morning friends. Friends, intimate friends. If the musicians can come back. He calls you to himself. He calls you friends. Now, let me just say this. We're going to have a time for prayer. But after everything, I've got a video of a World War II that, that was presented the Congressional Medal of Honor. And it's a six-minute video, but it's a powerful testimony. Can I ask you this? Isn't it worth us taking a few minutes to honor Memorial Day? A lot of these guys, there's, there's some soldiers that was given the Medal of Honor, and they don't know who their names are. They were never identified. But Jesus laid down his life for us. Wouldn't you like to have a closer relationship with him? Would you stand with me this morning? <clears throat>